It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, we dig into what went right and what went wrong as the Toronto Raptors snatched defeat from the jaws of victory against the very good Oklahoma City Thunder. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday, February the 5th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley, free of COVID just about, and uh, glad to be back with you here for a full slate of shows this week. I've, of course, been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website that don't work very well, at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors. And of course, you can join us in the place to be the Locked On Raptors Discord, baby. The link is in the description of the podcast. It's free to join, and we'd love to see you in there. It's the single best place to talk about the Toronto Raptors on the internet without getting screamed at by lunatics. It's fantastic. Come hang out. Again, free to join. Link in the description of the podcast. You can also find the show for free wherever you get your podcasts. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. It's much appreciated. You can also join us on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the little notification bell and you'll get a heads up every single time the show is about to premiere. So you never miss a snippet of that sweet, sweet Locked On Raptors action. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Uh, they help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's get to it on today's show. Breaking down a thrilling double overtime loss to the West-leading Oklahoma City Thunder for your Toronto Raptors. One of them wins and lessons type games, of course, of, course, of which there will surely be many down the stretch, and I'm sure we'll all get sick of saying that refrain, I believe, uh, originated by Ty Lu way back in the day. Uh, and uh, here to break down this loss to the Thunder that at one point looked great. 23-point lead, everything was hunky-dory. Then the Thunder do the thing and come back and are very good at basketball, et cetera, et cetera. Here to talk about it all is our pal Big V, Vivek Jacob from Sportsnet and Cricket Canada. Big V, how's it going, pal? It's going well. I mean, <clears throat> it was a very fun game. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I think outside of that, had a good weekend. Caught up with some friends, caught up Beauty. with some family, and ready to roll. Love it. Uh, yeah, by the way, we're just like not going to talk about the Rockets game Friday. It was bad. Uh, we'll just put it down. <laughs> we don't even think about that. It was terrible. No RJ doesn't count. IQ and Pirtle just getting back. Rusty doesn't count. It's fine. So, Big V, let's uh, dive in here. Of course, a game where things went right, then things went wrong, and it seemed like things maybe were going to get back and finish right for the Raptors as they punched back as the Thunder went on a surge in the second half of this game. Of course, they couldn't quite close it. No finish whatsoever for the Raptors. Multiple chances to win this game at the end of regulation and at the end of the first overtime. 
and yet they could not convert. Big V, what was your biggest takeaway from this one? I guess maybe on the negative side of things. Like, what was your biggest takeaway about why things went wrong for the Raptors? We'll get into what went right. We'll get into our good, bad, and hmm. But we should start with where it all fell apart for the Raptors late in this game as the Thunder came back from down 23. The fact I look at the biggest reason why things went wrong, um, I'm almost wondering how much Darko was trying to do right in this one right, <laughs> beyond right. beyond the first half because I thought the first half was great in terms of the defensive scheme and it was very Nick Nursey. Sure. And we saw, obviously, Shea get a lot of pressure, a lot of attention, paint was packed, and you were disrespecting the non-shooters, uh, Lou Dort, Josh Giddy. And so for me, what changed in the second half was when those guys started to go get going, there wasn't uh, a real change in strategy. Sure. Uh, and so I think that's where, you know, you kind of had to heed the warning signs a bit and make adjustments and maybe show that respect to guys who were really starting to heat up. And once they, you know, what was it when they cut it to about 11 that's when you know you knew it was like okay this is going yeah. to a bad place <laughs> <laughs> yeah that happens against the top team in the western conferences uh sometimes they're going to make you feel like you're in a bad place i so i i'm feeling unsure of how to feel about the lack of a stark adjustment in the second half because i think the reason they got out to their lead was doing precisely what they kept on doing in the second half, which was, all right, we're just going to let Josh Giddy do stuff and, and we're going to force him to hurt us. And if you look at the impact numbers, if you look at the shooting percentages, everything screams, let Josh Giddy beat you about this Thunder team, right? Especially when you don't have Jalen Williams, who's a 45% three-point shooter. You don't have Isaiah Joe, who's a 42% three-point shooter. Those guys combine for like eight attempts a game. With those guys not on the floor, I thought it was pretty wise to say, all right, like Giddy Dort, you're going to beat us. Shea, you're not getting to your office. They did a pretty good job of keeping him out of the mid-range. This game, the Raptors completely walled off the paint. You mentioned it. Uh, it did lead to the Thunder having the 100th percentile game for three-point frequency of any team in the Cleaning the Glass database this season. 63 threes put up over the course of this one. Um, so, you know, maybe you'd like to find a little more balance there, but... I, I didn't find that it was all that egregious to keep leaving Josh Giddy open because all of the, the book on this season is suggested leaving that dude open is probably going to lead to good things. I think Alvin Williams made a good point. There was one Giddy three late in that game where there was just no contest whatsoever. Like Scotty rotated over to force the pass and then just like no one rotated back over to the wing for Giddy. Like you don't want to give him free ones. You want to at least make him feel you a tiny little bit if you're not going to earnestly guard them. But I, I, it's hard because like the sort of regression wave hit like a ton of bricks in that second half. Aaron Wiggins was a big part of this as well. You know, leaving a guy who's a north of 50% three point shooter wide open a whole bunch, maybe not the best strategy. Maybe, you know, that's where you kind of adjust the scouting report a little bit, but to get beaten by Giddy for 24, six and six, after he has been one of the most damaging players in basketball this season per the impact numbers, I don't think it was all that bad of an idea. The other thing that went wrong in this game, I would say, is the the closing sort of offense, the Scotty Barnes of it all, which I think we should probably address here. Uh, weird finish for Scotty in this one, Big V. Uh, he kind of just was not really an active passenger down the stretch of this one. You know, the two overtimes in particular, 
obviously the play that stands out is the end of the first overtime where they clearly draw something up to just get it in his hands and go to work. He sees Lou Dort for one second and says, no, thank you. And pitches it off to Gary Trent Jr. And he doesn't get up a good shot. Shea with a big block. What happened there? Well, well, this was a weird finish for Scotty Barnes, I thought. So specifically on the play, I think, I think, you know, he may have uh, seen a miscommunication on the switch is what sure. I'm going to go with. Sure. I'm going to give Scotty the benefit of the doubt. And I think, uh, you know, initially it was Shea on him. And then, uh, you know, with the action, uh, it, that's where he saw Dort for a second. And maybe he was thinking, oh, they're both on me. I'll, I'll kick it to Gary. But sure. the Shea was uh, right with Gary. So there wasn't uh, really much of an advantage to be gained with the pass. And so I think, you know, uh, he could have, he should have probably attacked. And I think when the broadcast actually, uh, they actually showed a clip of Scotty right after that, where he seemed to have like, you know, that disappointed look of, oh man, I, I really should have just gone with it. Sure. Um, so that's like a split second read um, where, you know, you can, you can acknowledge that he made the wrong read, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and, you know, not being like, oh my God, is who Dort? I want nothing to do with this. <laughs> I mean, look, could I blame anybody for not wanting anything to do with that dude? Uh, no, but yeah, in that spot, maybe you'd like a little bit more aggression. Yeah, just the, the passiveness from Scotty, the sort of just standing in the corner. And I know that they ran a lot of the quickly purdle pick and roll stuff down the stretch of this game. And that was a source of conversation. Oh, why isn't Scotty getting the ball? We're back to this thing where it has to be Scotty all the time, which I think is ridiculous. Like, I think they have multiple players who can go and create stuff in high leverage spots. That's a good thing. You should want to quote our pal Dwayne Casey multiple ways of skinning the apple. But to the point that I made earlier about the lack of balance in terms of allowing as many threes as they did in this game and sort of selling out as hard as they did. You know, I, I think you got to find more balance there, right? You have to find ways to involve both Scotty and quickly. I don't think there's been nearly enough tapping into what that two-man game can be as like a really dynamic connection. Obviously, Yak is very valuable as a screener and a dive man and all that stuff. Um, but it did feel like a little bit tilted towards quickly. I don't think it's a bad thing in the grand scheme. And, and ultimately, this is what everybody who was pounding the drum to pick a direction, build around Scotty, trade Pascal Siakam was asking for. There are going to be learning experiences. There are going to be moments where things don't go very well in the Scotty Barnes is the number one guy experience. He's 22 years old. And whether it was pouting because he didn't get the last shot in regulation, which I don't think is true. If you look at the play that, that was set up there, he had all the runway in the world to go and just drive if he wanted to. He pitched it back, you know, whatever. There, there was... You, he didn't look to me like he was notably dejected for not taking that last shot. Should they have drawn up a three for RJ Barrett? Maybe not get to the rim, something like that. But uh, you know, I, I don't know if this is like, Oh, you didn't give me the shot. Therefore I'm not going to try an overtime type of thing. And if it is like, that's a learning experience too. It's an adjustment period for him for quickly as a lead guard, kind of figuring out navigating the balance of when am I looking for my own? When am I setting other guys up? And I think this is the exact type of learning experience type game that we can expect a lot of for the next little while with this team. And I think it's okay to have some failure. And I think you have to allow room for the failure because the path they've decided to walk is one littered with failure. It's a young team trying to figure stuff out. 
And ultimately, that's kind of where I come down to the Scotty Barnes thing. Was it a perfect finish for him? No. Would I have liked to have seen him, uh, you know, exercise more aggression in the overtime? Absolutely. Did he also seem totally gassed after playing 48 minutes? 100% he did. And, and so I don't know where to sort of put the blame on, you know, was it his tiredness? Was it him pouting? Was it, uh, you know, all sorts of different things come together? One way or another, it's something he can learn from, and that is what this whole thing is supposed to be about. So I can't get that mad about it, Big B. Any sort of thoughts there before we move on? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on like this all being part of the growth. Uh, I I think we can also acknowledge that, yeah, okay, even when you don't have the ball and you're in the corner, you can find ways to get yourself involved and cut to the basket or you know try to create some kind of distress for the defense. Um, and... I think uh, if it was some pouting in there and being like, hey, I should be involved in these actions and there absolutely should have been more quickly Scotty actions, uh, then I think, again, that's also a learning opportunity. So uh, I do think there should be a directness in which in how that's handled between sure. Darko, whoever. I mean, I don't, I don't think, you know, unless you see a pattern of this, like consistently, I don't. I don't see why you know Masai or anyone would have to get involved. Sure. Um, this can just be a quick thing between uh, Darko and him. And yeah, I think you just move on. I mean, you got a game uh, to get ready for tonight, so <laughs> yeah. you move on quick. Yeah, and it's not like it's a recurring thing either, right? Like Scotty typically is the dude who just takes the bull by the horns in the fourth quarter of every game, and it's fine. And didn't happen in this one. It's a shame. I think there were other sort of reasons, you know, the Dort matchup, number one, you know, having Scotty go to work in his usual office as like a post hub with Chet Holmgren hanging out as a help man, maybe not the best idea. And Dargo did note afterwards they were trying to target Shea because he had five fouls, which I think is pretty worthwhile as well when you're in a double overtime game. If you can foul that dude out, you stand a pretty good chance of winning. And so all of these different things kind of came together. I don't think it was one thing of one player letting the team down or quitting on the team in the final moments of the game or anything extreme like that. But certainly lots of little stuff to learn from, which again is like kind of the whole point here. We'll come back on the other side. It's been a little negative off the top. We're going to talk about what went well, because that's the thing is lots of things went well for the Raptors in the lead up to the things that went wrong in this game. We will get into that coming up in just one second. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. In when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that is why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn is not just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion with a B professionals, which make it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates rolling in. So Easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within the first 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many different hats, and you may not have the time or resources to hire. It's a time-consuming process to go through all those resumes. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Two and a half million small, small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. You should, too. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked.nba. That's linkedin.com slash locked.nba. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
Today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off of our chest. Whether it's big or small, certain things can really start to get at you. And it's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased on your life. Having someone with no agenda who's just there to listen and offer insights on the things that you have going on. I want to talk to you about feeling stuff today. And look, we all feel stuff. I feel overwhelmed by the lack of the sun. Just the mere lack of the sun, that beautiful glowing orb in the sky, really gets me feeling down. It makes me feel unmotivated. It makes me feel like I don't want to do anything. That lack of vitamin D can be a real thing that makes you question everything. It is probably happening to so many people in southern Ontario as we now live in the Pacific Northwest all of a sudden. Therapy can be different for everyone, but most of us have bigger problems than your favorite sports team, and it's important to get things off your chest every once in a while. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. Okay, continuing on here, your first listen of the day with Big V, Vivek Jacob from Sportsnet, as we dig into a very fun, very entertaining, very heartbreaking loss the Oklahoma City Thunder as the Toronto Raptors road trip of six games trudges forth. Uh, Big V, some good stuff happened in this game. A 63-47 start to this game in the first half was pretty damn thrilling. Uh, the way they punched back as the Thunder made their surge, also pretty encouraging, you know, in the fourth quarter there. Overall, what do you think worked in this game? What popped out to you as sort of the biggest sort of things to build upon from the Toronto Raptors' performance in OKC? Yeah, so, I mean... The defensive scheme early in the first half, I mean, for the entire first half, absolutely worked. I thought that was really effective. Uh, I think that uh, Quickly's playmaking, again, continues. I mean, overall, I think I'm still riding the high of, like, Quickly and Barrett adding things to this team that yeah. have been missing for quite some time. Hell yeah. <laughs> and so... Uh, Rim pressure, baby! We love it! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Quickly, his ability... Um, to push the pace to pull up I, that's probably the thing i really enjoy the most um and uh yeah part of why they were running so many quickly portal actions was because you know th those opportunities where you know whether it's getting switched uh which at home and whether uh, it was being able to just uh blow by um i think those were uh, things that were work working really well. RJ Barrett, I think, brings such a life and energy to this team. He's so yeah. forceful um, and in a healthy way. Uh, and, you know, you think about the way his sort of narrative has changed from what he was as a Nick to what he's been as a Raptor. It was like forcing too much. It was, you know, making the wrong reads, all of that. And, and he seems to be doing exactly the opposite. We saw some of the bad forceful stuff when he sure. first came over um but it was still being largely outweighed by the positive and that continues to be the case uh and we're seeing i feel like we're seeing less and less of um the bad forceful stuff and so i think he's getting more and more acclimated to this system um and again the the speed with, with he, which he's making decisions and just cons consistently both those guys just getting downhill uh is probably the aspect that i enjoy the most yeah, I think with RJ, you know, there were some moments last night that were pretty tough turnover on a live dribble pass. I think trying to hit Scotty in the corner that, you know, went the other way. Uh, obviously not being able to squeeze that ball near the end to, you know, secure possession as he falls out of bounds. That was tough. But overall. You're also, I, you know, 
helped him door door a little bit out yeah. of bounds <laughs> yeah 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 uh you know weird snap play they're trying to call a timeout etc cetera, etc cetera. like i don't think it, that's just weird basketball stuff right um, i don't think rj did necessarily anything wrong there you gotta have the strong hands etc but uh, you know overall yeah having rj back that's such a dynamic of like downhill ball to this team his finishing has just been so impressive around the rim and he just i was thinking about this last night every time he takes a shot it feels like the logical endpoint of the sequence that led to it, right? Nothing feels like it's out of the flow. Nothing feels like it's okay. He's commandeering things now. No, it's like this action was created and you know executed, and it led to a very understandable RJ Barrett, whatever it's layup, whether it's you know roaring off a screen, whether it's a catch and shoot three, whatever it is, it's all just so within the flow. And you know the way he's playing off of the quickly Barnes pearl of it all. Like it, those three, those four guys together, like there's a lot of synergy that can be found there. They need to work on it. Obviously it's been a month of upheaval, which I think is another thing to consider here in terms of how things kind of broke down. Like they're still figuring this whole thing out. There has been no continuity. I would argue the last month or so has been like the least continuity a team has ever had in season. Like the number of injuries combined with the two massive roster changing trades, like, been tr- very strange and so like i think it's going to come i think there will be more unison to be found between all of those guys and rj just seems to fit in so easily that i don't think he's ever going to detract from that dynamic whatsoever and yeah he, he's just been fantastic uh and him quickly barnes purtle that quartet to me there's no reason why i tweeted this last night there's no reason why that they can't go into the post deadline run here and actually like play some pretty competitive, interesting basketball, win some games. Ultimately, too, like I think my bigger positive takeaway from this game is this is the exact type of game I want the Raptors playing. Close game, intense, real developmental reps. Like this is player development, right? Big V, like having them play games that actually matter. This feels like something getting those learning experiences against very good teams and high leverage moments. Like that's what this kind of all about. Is it not? Yeah. I mean, I I don't think I would go with, you know, this being the exact, exact uh, model, you know, I I think in terms of the Scotty involvement, I would want to see more of that uh, in, you know, down the stretch uh, and into the overtime. But uh, these are the opportunities that you would like, right. Where you see, um, a solid defensive game plan being executed uh, in the first half. You see uh, quickly getting reps. You're seeing Barrett get reps. Um, and and I think you're seeing the future a little bit, right? Yep. And I, I think that's what you want to see. So from that standpoint, absolutely. I think you can nail down the specifics uh, a bit better. Uh, uh, and beyond that, yeah, I, I think you wonder how much is being, you know, managed from a tank perspective because <laughs> if you zoom out like there is that vibe of like oh yeah you know team looks good in the first half and then things just fall apart and <laughs> nothing's really being done to stop the falling apart <laughs> and, and, and then you go on to lose <laughs> yeah i don't know if i feel like that was an orchestrated maneuver from the top down to go lose that second half like it'd be pretty stupid if it was <laughs> i i here's my thing I know everyone's horny for the tank and all that stuff, right? Like, oh, God, I get to the fifth spot. The Blazers, they can be passed. Like, I'm of the mind that right now, the top priority should be trying to play as many games like this as possible. Get into games where you're trying to win, 
where you're working on stuff, where you're seeing your best players for the long haul, actually build habits, build chemistry, build feel for one another. And if you win games, great. And you're pushing for the play-in, great. If you're not doing that and you're, you know, wallowing around in the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth range of the lottery, great. Let the lottery odds, which are entirely out of your control, fall where they might. Control what you can control between now and the end of the season, which is trying to actually play meaningful basketball, to build habits, to not just piss away a third of a season because the possibility of being the fifth overall pick is there. And I, I just think that's got to be priority number one. And the rest will figure out when they figure it out, right? If they are in the play-in, awesome. Like I just I think where they finish is basically irrelevant at this point. Yeah, so, I wasn't I wasn't saying it from a philosophy perspective. I was just sure. saying that when you look at it from the outside, if you were to look at it from a neutral, it'd be like, oh, sure. this is a bad team that showed up for the first half. And then when things started to fall apart, it just completely fell apart. Um, sure. And on the other side, you look at it from a Thunder perspective. You say, okay, this is a team that looked like, you know, thought they were going to have it easy <laughs> uh, against a bad team uh, and then really had to crank it up and then came out with a W. Sure. And hey, if they like lose all of these games down the stretch that they play like this, fine, whatever. I, I, that's That's fine. But... Uh, you know, I, I guess this is me just sort of imploring the, to not sort of lose games on purpose. I'm not saying you are out here going, fire up the tank machine and all that stuff. But um, I just, you know, you see where the fan base is at. I, I, I see where people want to be. I see people like lusting after the fifth overall pick. I, I just feel like the lottery odds are so out of your control and so volatile. And there's no guarantee you're keeping your pick anyway. And so play up the season with the guys you have. You already know, worst case, you have three picks in the first 31 of this draft. Like, you'll you'll find some dudes. And if you need to trade up, you'll trade up or whatever. Um, I'm uh, I'm just, like, so unconcerned. About it. It's like a nice thing. It's like, oh, I don't care where they finish. They could finish 12th in the East, where, right where they are now. They could finish 10th, and I would not care one way or another. It's fine. Like, just play some games like this, and I'll be a happy camper, baby. Uh, we'll come back on the other side, round it out with the good, the bad, and the hmm to close things out. We'll get to that coming up in just one second. Today's show is brought to you by our pals over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in all of North America. Happy Super Bowl, Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel. And if you're like me, Super Bowl is uh, something where, I mean, I don't really watch the Super Bowl. I hang out. I'll put, maybe put some money on basketball games that day. But if you're like basically every other person, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets on things like the uh, national anthem and how long that's going to run and who's going to score the first points and will there be a safety and things like that. Maybe have a little uh, you know action with your people that you're at your Super Bowl party with all through FanDuel. It's that easy. You just go check it out. FanDuel is so many ways for you to end your season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel is also got bets for you, which is, you know, who's going to score a touchdown, how many points are going to be scored, et cetera, et cetera. So much more new customers can join today and get 200 bucks in bonus bets at the first bet of $5 or more wins. Again, that's 200 bucks in bonus bets. If your first bet of five bucks or more wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook of the NFL. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Closing out the show here with the good, the bad, and the hmm, the way we close out every Raptors recap episode of the podcast here. Uh, I think we liked, I think we didn't like, I think it's got us a little intrigued from the game that took place the night before. Uh, again, we're skipping the Rockets game. Nothing from that godforsaken event. Uh, all Thunder-related uh, stuff here. Big V, let's begin. What you got for your good? My good is RJ, man. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, having him come back uh, after an absence and play the way he did and... Uh, you know, I just love the sort of take the bull by the horns intensity that he brings. And I, yeah. uh, I love the uh, force with which he attacks the rack. Uh, you know, we saw that the, the three point shot drop off for a bit before the injury. Uh, so it was nice to see him nail a couple of triples in this one. Um, but yeah, again, that that ability to get downhill to get to the rack. Uh, overall, I think his decision making was good. Uh, you were right to point out that, you know, Still a couple mistakes in there, but overall, I'm loving what I'm seeing from RJ. And, you know, again, that shift where, you know, I think when the trade happened, you were thinking, okay, can he just play well enough to maybe be uh, another trade down the line? (laughs) And now it's like, okay, like he could be a real piece of this core. My good. I was going to go RJ as well, but I've kind of used my RJ thoughts already today. So I'm going to go Thad Young, the Chet Holmgren stopper. Uh, Man. I'm, this this month of Thad has been so bloody fun. Uh, they actually won that trade by a mile. And in fact, won that trade so decidedly over the Spurs that it also makes the Jakob Pertle trade more of a win. This is my take now. Uh, like You got Thad and Jakob Pertle for only two first-round picks? Like, okay, man. Uh, swindling the Spurs, this garbage franchise, giving up these two superstar bigs. Unreal. Um, yeah. <laughs> Just Thad rules. Uh, I I wonder if they're actually like maybe going to get something for him at the deadline now. If uh, like some team needs some sort of sage wise pass throwing Chet Holmgren stopper to come in. Hey, lots of West teams could use a Chet stopper. Uh, yeah, just an absolute blast to see him outgunned by like six inches and just being old and wise and giving Chet some problems. The best. Thad, Love that. Like, this month has been Thad, so damn fun. <laughs> Thad shutting down a young guy in the playoffs would be the most like YMCA like in the playoffs thing to happen. Like <laughs> more YMCA than when he crossed over Joel Embiid and hit a pull up <laughs> midi in the playoffs. Oh, hey man, there's I, I've never seen a Joel Embiid at the Y. Like <laughs> I, I don't think I would have ever gone back. <laughs> Oh man. Uh all right, let's uh go to the bad. What you got for your bad in this one? Um you know, I think for me it would probably be just the lack of Scotty quickly actions. Yeah, um, sure. I think when when I look at Darko's comments at the at, after the game as well and saying, "Hey, we were just we were targeting the matchups where uh there was foul trouble and uh we could maybe take advantage there. There was only one real guy in foul trouble for the Thunder, and that was yeah. Shea Gilgis Alexander. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it, you've also got to acknowledge that Shea is the superstar in the league now, that the chances of him getting called for that sixth foul sure. <laughs> are pretty slim. Um, he's also again. like an excellent defender, too. So, like, yeah. maybe going at him, not that. I mean, I quickly was getting where he wanted to go, but. Yeah, worth noting so, that as well. So I think just you know the lack of uh, Scotty quickly actions down the stretch. You know, again when we have this whole development conversation, that mm-hmm. should be the bread and butter in terms of the future of this franchise, right? So 
uh, I think the absence of that I'll probably chalk up as a bad. My bad. A lot of Dennis in this game, man. This was a not very good Dennis Schroeder game. Minus 23 in a game where they blew a 23-point lead. That points that that stands out and slaps you in the face as a number. Um, and I just thought like way too much of calling his own number. He clearly was not having any luck finishing from two-point range in this game. Two of ten. Chet Holmgren gave him problems. They're just a big, big, nasty team on the interior, right? And so, like, when you got Jalen Williams in there and whatnot, big for Dennis Schroeder to deal with at the very least. And so, yeah, not my favorite Schroeder game. He's been awesome off the bench. I think they leaned on him a little bit too much in this one. And, you know, I think if you're going to get upset about the hierarchy on possessions, you know, quickly run possessions, not really going to be something I get mad about. Schroeder run possessions in high leverage moments, look at the big picture here. Like this is a, probably a stopgap guard for a couple of years and not someone who's going to be on the long-term good version of this team. So, you know, maybe funnel a little bit of that away and put that, maybe that's where you get more Scotty involved is less Dennis. So that was my bad. Uh, let's go to the, hmm, what you got for your hmm? For my hmm, uh, I was really just gonna bring up Darko and say, sure. you know, obviously we know he can be a great individual development guy. And yep. I think uh, that's why he was brought in. But I think we're also going to get a taste of, you know, how he manages uh, these opportunities now uh, where you have these close games and you want to get as many possessions as possible for uh, Scotty, quickly, Barrett, um, and then kind of move down from there. And that's sure. where and it leads into what you said about Dennis Schroeder. Uh, yeah. And it's like, hey, why is Schroeder getting all these opportunities? And like, can you put that relationship aside? <laughs> uh, we, we get that there's a great uh, friendship there and kinship. And uh, I think you've really just got to prioritize the development. Um, and I agree, you know, there's going to be moments where they also have to earn it. Um, yep. But I, I don't think uh, Dennis Schroeder did much to earn it <laughs> in this no. one. And I so, would say not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's my hmm going forward, right? It's like, sure. uh, and, and we say this all the time with assistant coaches, right? It's a big move from there to the head coaching position. Um, and he has been very successful at uh, working with an, an individual player over a course of, course of a period and bringing them along. Um, and players have spoken very highly uh, about that. Desmond Bain being at the top of the list. Desmond Bain being at the top of the list. <laughs> um, and so I think now you've got a lot more mouths to feed when you're the head coach. Yeah. So what does sure. that look like? For sure. Yeah, I think it's a, a notable thing. Any first-year coach's first year is like an ongoing hmm, I'd argue. Like there's just... It's a lot to learn about what they're all about. I think I've been mostly encouraged by a lot of what we've seen from Darko, but yeah, the sort of dependence on Dennis, the sort of strange late game stuff once in a while. Like, yeah, that's something to keep an eye on. No doubt. A worthy hmm. Uh, my hmm is just uh, forgot the deadlines this week. Uh, with the Raptors getting their big business out of the way, it's <laughs> like, oh yeah, three days. There's more stuff to probably come here. Um, and I guess the guy who figures into this conversation is Bruce Brown, who did not seem uh, much up to it last night, I would say. A little joggy on defense, one might argue. He didn't hit any of his shots. It's just not his 
best game as a Raptor by any means. I still am of the mind that, you know, a guy like Bruce Brown is a perfect type of guy to keep around if you want to. If you're just trading him for the sake of trading him, you shouldn't. Um, but, you know, fascinating to see where that one goes before Thursday. And uh, what happens? Does that open up Jordan Wara minutes? If, uh, you know, because Wara obviously was out of the conversation last night. How does the dust settle this week? And I guess Gary Trent Jr. is also a big part of this as well. He's been playing pretty, pretty damn well of late in that starting lineup. Continues to be frustrating in his own Gary Trent Jr. like way, but uh, yeah, just the, the deadline being this close to being this quiet is bizarre, and I kind of frankly have no idea what to expect from this week. Like maybe they just offload one guy, maybe it's three guys they offload. It seems like Chris Boucher is not really part of the plans anymore. We'll see there. Uh, it's a it's a weird. Any quick thoughts on the deadline and sort of what's looming this week on your end? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been waiting to see the clarity on whether it's uh, Gary. Otto, Chris Boucher, um, who am I forgetting? Bruce Brown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and yeah I, I mean, we didn't really say much about Bruce Brown, but I feel like he's kind of in a space where he is ready to move on. Um, and so uh, I would like to see that happen. And hopefully, mm. you know, you can continue to uh, set things up for the future uh, as well as possible. And so I think that's, you know, that quartet is probably what I'm looking to see uh, over the next few days, but we'll see what actually materializes. Who knows? Maybe, maybe with a guy like Bruce, they're thinking, you know, maybe a draft day package. Uh, you know, been saying uh, this, man. There's opportunity cost to just moving him for the first thing you can get when there's lots of other things you could potentially move him for in the summer in maybe more additive trades than just sell off trades to contenders. We'll see. Right. Obviously, it depends on what you can get back this week, but. Uh... Yeah. I would like those those that those, those uncertain vibes to go though. So I feel like the yeah. more move on, the better. And like, you know, uh, clearing clearing house in terms of those vibes would be a positive. Sure. I mean, you get through the deadline and he's untraded. I'm sure the uncertainty goes away a little bit as well, right? Like maybe there's uncertainty about the long haul, but um you know i think it's at least a signal of oh, hey like we want to be part of this mix and see what we got down the stretch if that is in fact the case it does seem like it's tracking towards him getting moved um but you know i i do think one way or another trades or not thursday will be a salve for all of those waiting and dreaming and hoping for the day where uh there's just like clarity as to who is on this basketball team for the last third of the season uh, we'll leave it there. There's another game tonight. Raptors Pelicans. That'll be fun. The Raptors tend to get waxed by the Pelicans uh, based on recent history. So fingers crossed it doesn't go that way. Uh, but yeah, we'll uh, get into that on tomorrow's show. Do you have anything you want to promote for the good people, Big B? Usual stuff. Uh, I I did uh, a piece on All Star snubs for Sportsnet. I will have one. I will have uh, deadline day winners and losers coming up on Thursday. Um, and so you can check all my general NBA stuff uh, at Sportsnet. You can check out my cricket stuff at Cricket Canada. Um, and besides that, you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Everyone go do that. Find me at Woodley Sean. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, etc. cetera. Uh, full slate of shows this week and maybe even more than that if stuff goes down to the deadline and we need some bonus content in there. So uh, back to normal after a couple of weird weeks with moving and COVID, et cetera, et cetera. It's been a bit of a hard one over here, but appreciate y'all hanging it through and sticking with the show and rocking with it nonetheless. And uh, with that, we'll leave it there. We'll come back tomorrow talk about Raptors, Pelicans. In the meantime, thanks so much for hanging. Bye-bye.
Hey Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.